Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. And welcome to those of you here in the sanctuary with us. Also, those of you in auditorium too, as well as those of you joining us online or by television or podcast. So glad that you're with us today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning there, we celebrated an amazing weekend last weekend as we remembered the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, we had a tremendous Easter weekend. Saturday and Sunday, those five services, we had over 3,000 people in attendance. And uh, in every one of those services, people stood to respond. Uh, lots of people stood in every service to respond to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? And we celebrate that. Look, I know Leah already mentioned it, but I just, real quick, here, you're watching this on a screen or whatever, look, if you, if you took a step of faith last week um, to begin or begin again a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you, don't let that just be the step you took on Easter. Let that step of faith be the step you take every day. And the next step, if you've not already been baptized in water, is to be obedient and to follow in the Lord's command to do that. We have that coming up in just two weeks. I will tell you, God blesses obedience in our lives. And so if you've not yet followed the Lord in water baptism, um, don't, don't, you'll get plenty of excuses. Don't listen to them. And uh, take that step of faith. You can go out to our website and sign up there. And excited to see what God is going to do. We're starting a new series today called Built to Last. We're in Matthew chapter 7. You know, we've been working our way through the gospel of Matthew. We've been moving through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're getting into the last third in chapter 7. And what we're going to see is a theme in this chapter where Jesus is giving to us tools and things we can use so that we can build our lives in a way so that we can still thrive even in the times when the storms come our way. You ever faced a storm? They come our way, and how do we thrive even in those times? So what we're going to look at over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three building blocks that we can use to build our lives in a way so that they will thrive even in the stormy seasons, and then after that, we're going to take a couple weeks and look at some blueprints for how to build our lives in those ways, but we're going to jump in today and begin in Matthew chapter 7. You ever had it happen where words come out of your mouth, and as soon as they do, you wish they hadn't? And all of a sudden, every day, oh, sorry, brother, and uh, actually, sorry, sister, um, <laughs> and, uh, and you know that as soon as you say it, all the air leaves the room. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And everybody looks at you a certain way because of what you just said. You ever, you ever showed up late, and all of a sudden, you know people are giving you that side eye? You, you, ever, you ever gone to an event, and you were either grossly overdressed or underdressed for the event? And everybody gives you that, I can't believe they wore that. <laughs> right? So you know what it's like to be judged and to feel like other people are kind of sizing you up, thinking about you in a certain way, that you're getting that judgmental feeling. Well, we're going to look at our first building block. If we're going to build a life that's built to last, it comes straight from Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. So we got three building blocks. First one's all we're gonna look at today. Here it is, building block number one, straight from the words of Jesus. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
If we want to build a life that will thrive, even in the stormy seasons, here's the advice that Jesus gives to us. Now, a couple of thoughts there when he says, do not judge. There have been people over the years who have taken those words and said, well, then we don't need a judicial system. That's not what he's talking about here. In fact, scripture would affirm something different. So it's not talking about the fact that there are times when there are righteous judgments. It's also not talking about the fact that you should be naive or that you should suspend discernment or good judgment. And we'll talk about this here in just another moment. What Jesus is talking about here, and this is, this is where we're gonna drill down today, is he's talking about having a critical spirit, your life, your attitude. In fact, because the word judge and judgment can be kind of used in so many different ways, I'm gonna talk today about being critical, about having a critical spirit, your attitudes, your interactions. And, You and I have decisions, right? We're talking about how we're gonna build our lives. So we have decisions that we have to make about what the foundation of our lives. We'll talk a lot about relationships in these next few weeks in these series when we look at these things. So what do we mean when we talk about judging with a critical spirit? John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, I think really helps us because he says we're not talking about how we assess people. We're talking about judging them harshly. Here's how he describes it. The critic is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. Anybody come to mind? Anybody guilty as charged? (laughs) There's a difference between showing concern and being critical. There's a difference between discernment and divisiveness. And Jesus is not telling us that we turn a blind eye to sin. We don't turn a blind eye to manipulation and abuse. We certainly don't turn a blind eye to unrighteousness. Like, we'll look here in just a moment. There's times when we are to judge accurately, but Jesus is talking about something different. So today, I want to talk about you and me in our attitudes, and in our interactions, and in our relationships, Jesus says we are not to have a critical spirit. So if you and I are gonna build a life that's gonna last, it's gonna thrive, it's gonna survive through the storms, we have to ask a question first and foremost, what foundation will you have? Like what, what will your attitude be, your relationships, the way you view other people, because that's gonna make a big difference. What foundation will you have? And the big question is, will you build on a critical foundation? Like, what kind of spirit will you have? Are you gonna have a critical spirit where you build on a critical foundation? There's two questions, right? So will you build on a critical foundation or will you build on a humble foundation? Because from what I can tell, the opposite of a critical spirit scripturally seems to be someone who has allowed God to work humility into their lives. So Jesus is gonna give us a model of how to do this right. He's gonna give us a positive model. Before we go to the positive one, I also wanna look at a negative one that Jesus gives to us. One where Jesus shows us what a critical spirit, how this looks from a negative standpoint. This one we find in Luke chapter 18, verse nine. We've actually come to this story or parable a couple of times so far as we've been in Matthew, but this is Luke chapter 18. Uh, Let me read it to you. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Does that sound like a critical spirit? (laughs) Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees were the the religious leaders who Jesus has already referred to in in the Sermon on the Mount as hypocrites, right? So that's how he is, is portraying them. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. There's a winner prayer, isn't it? <laughs> Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So one, you see that there is a life of humility that Jesus can exalt that builds us up. But you also see a really good example here of building with a critical foundation or building with a critical spirit. Now, what I want to look at today is show you kind of through a little bit of a diagram, maybe to kind of help us get a visual of this, what this might look like if we're building on a critical foundation. So we'll kind of put that up there. This will just show you we'll have a baseline that we'll start with there. And if you're building on a critical foundation, then the foundation you build, the very first thing that's there where you put most of the pressure and most of the weight is on others. So we're going to put others down there at the foundation of things. This means that in our lives, as we're building our lives, so much of our focus and our foundation is on other people. So if we had to put that in our words, if you're, if you're gonna build on a critical foundation, first, be critical of others. Like that's where it starts. That our actions, our words, our attitudes begin with a critical eye towards other people. We put pressure on others. Our thinking is being critical first. Our first response is to point out failures and flaws. What does this guy say? He says, boy, look at them. Robbers, people like this tax collector. I'm so glad I'm not like them. He is immediately critical of them. And then the next thing that you see in a, in a kind of in this graphic is you have others. And then on top of that, we would put self. And we put self on that place because what we're constantly doing is seeing how we stack up against other people, right? And we're always comparison. So first, you take, be your critical of others, then you feel good about yourself. Because <laughs> isn't that what we do? We start by being critical of other people. And the reason we like to be critical of other people is because then we feel better about ourselves, that's what's at the heart of a critical spirit because you start to see how you are better, how you are superior, how you have it all more together than the other person that God also created. So what happens is in our lives when we're on the road, it's easy to call someone else a name. And in the office, I just can't believe that they said that. At the store, you go, did they really dress like that? When you're watching the news, you're just shaking your head about them because they are not like us. You get mad, a little bitter and upset because somebody forgot your birthday and you, you hold on to that and you kind of judge that. You disagree with your spouse because they think differently than you do. You sit in church. Now, you, you don't, nobody does this at the 10 o'clock service, but at the other services, people sit in church and they size everybody else up. Wouldn't happen in this service because you guys are so. But what happens is you start to think more critically about others and you feel better about yourself. We do this kind of both going up and down, if you would. Like socially, what we'll do in those moments 
is we'll look at other people and what we'll do is we'll look at those whose who society might say financially, socially, kind of publicly are above us and we judge them in that way. Then we also look at those whose society might say are below us socially, financially, in a, in a notoriety kind of way and we judge them too because when we do that kind of coming and going, we feel a little bit better about ourselves. And then what happens, which is really interesting, is when we go back to our graphic, you've got a foundation of others, that's where all the pressure is, that's where the all condemnation is, and then we stack ourselves up against them, and then we put God at the top, and we thank God. This is what we do when we put God at the top. Finally, we thank God for agreeing with you, right? You first are critical of others, then you feel good about yourself, and finally, you thank God because he agrees with you. Isn't that what this guy did? He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that other person, because he can't help but think that God would view the situation any different than he does. And isn't that what we do? So many times we look at other people, we're critical of other people, and we're confident that God sees it our way because we couldn't even imagine that God would have a different perspective. And so many times we assume that God thinks like us instead of stopping to ask God if he might have a different thought about things. So just stop for just a minute. Like take just a minute and think about this. Where might you be quick to judge? Where does prejudice show up or past hurt and experiences? Where do media biases start to play out in your life? Like take a look at your own heart, and if God was gonna shine a spotlight on, on how you're building, is there a place where you have that critical spirit? Now the good news is Jesus gives us another model. There, there's a better way to do this. So let me show you. I'm just gonna show you real quick kind of the graphic of what this might look like, and then we'll go back and we'll unpack it from Matthew chapter seven. But if you're not gonna build on a critical foundation, then you're gonna build on a humble foundation. You're gonna build on a foundation of humility. Who do you think is the foundation of that uh, life? Anybody? God is at the bottom of that. He is the foundation. He is where the pressure is. He is what you are built Upon, and we'll look at that in just a moment. So God is your foundation. Instead of starting with others, you start with God. Then you get a good, healthy view of yourself, which you're gonna see next on there. And then at, at the end, then you put others above yourself, and we'll look at how that looks like here in just a minute. So to kind of understand this, get a better view of this, we're gonna go to Matthew chapter seven. We're gonna see that Jesus says some things to us to help us with this very real part of life. Because if you haven't already been tempted to pass judgment and be critical yet today, the day is young. And it's probably gonna come your way. So here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter seven, verse one, he says, do not judge. Verse two, he says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you go back to that graphic, and we look at it real quick, where you see is if you're gonna build on a foundation of humility, what you'll see is that God is that foundation. He's where the pressure is. He's the one we look to first. He's where our foundation is in this, and here's the reason why. If you're gonna build a life that's built on humility instead of a critical spirit, first, let God be the judge. <laughs> and you and I have to come to terms with this that the first thing we need to do is let God be the judge of situations, circumstances, and especially other people in our life. James says it this way, James chapter four, verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, 
You're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James just kind of spells it out for us. My tendency, your tendency might be to start with a baseline of being critical, but what he says here is you've got to understand that we've got to let God be the judge. Here's the reason why. God is the judge, not you. If we'll let it, that'll take some pressure off, that we're not the ones who are supposed to be the judge. But the reality is that God is the judge, not you. And when we come to these situations where we've been hurt, where we've been offended, where we don't like how people are responding, we have to come to terms with he's the one who is the one who provides judgment. It's not us. I came across the story of a young lady, eighth grade, who her teacher in social studies said, um, we want everyone to bring in something from your home. They basically had like show and tell that somehow tied into the things that they were learning about in social studies. So she went home and she started talking with her parents, trying to figure out what she could take. And her dad said, I got an idea. So he went up in the attic years before her dad had been on a business trip. Now they lived in Pittsburgh. He'd been on a business trip in Cleveland and he was there two days after a debate had been in Cleveland between, and this is presidential election, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. And he happened to stay in the same hotel room that just two days before, Jimmy Carter's, one of his press corps had been in that same hotel room and they had left a briefcase in that hotel room. So this young lady's dad found the briefcase, opened it up, and found inside a whole bunch of documents marked classified. And he said, this is cool, I'll keep it. Took it home, went through it with his family, ha, 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 got a souvenir, blah, 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 put it in the attic. So years pass, little girl says, well, she's not a little girl, she's eighth grade, she says, I need something for school. He says, oh, I don't want you to take the social studies. Gives her the briefcase, she takes it in for show and tell. At which point, when she opens it up, her teacher lost his mind. <laughs> Starts rolling through them. The documents in there were four inches thick and included like groupings like Libya and Iran. It was not for public consumption. So long story short, the teacher keeps it. All these things happen. He ends up calling the FBI and says, I think I might have something that you would like. And the FBI came very quickly and took it. Kind of end of story. We don't know who lost their job and who, you know, all those other things. Here's what we do know. The FBI came and took it and said, you don't need to hold on to that because it's none of your business. And there are things that you and I hold on to. Our thoughts about other people, our assumptions about them, the ways we like to think about them because it makes us feel better than ourselves. And we start to pass judgment on these other people. And when we do, God says, you ain't the judge. Does God say ain't, do you think? God says, you ain't the judge. That's none of your business. Let go of that briefcase and let me be the judge. Because he's the judge, not you. Does that make sense? It's hard for us to consider sometimes. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 14, verse 10. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Paul says, look, know this. You're judging other people, but think about it. We're all going to end up in the same place. We're all going to stand before God someday. And this takes us to another thought. Look, you will be judged in the same way you judge others. 
And I've always heard this verse, but somehow this time when I read it, it was a little more terrifying. You will be judged, Jesus says, in the same way you judge others. So if you want to avoid harsh judgment from God in your life, then maybe don't give it to other people. Jesus says, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Maybe get this picture, that every time you say that word of a critical spirit, when you have that attitude, it's like you're throwing out a boomerang, and that criticism you throw out is gonna come right back at you. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Jesus says the way that you measure other people, it's gonna be measured back. That's, that's language that goes back to grain contracts where people would buy grain in the first century, that when you would go and sell someone grain, the, the tools that you would use to measure it would be the tools that belong to the person who was buying it so that that way it could keep it honest and you weren't cheating them and robbing them and you were checking it out and you were weighing these things. And Jesus says, look, the same way you weigh other people is how it's gonna be weighed to you. One commentator said the same coinage you use is the same coinage you'll get back. So if you look at somebody else's sin and you go, Travis, that's a $2 sin, that's a $2 action, it's a $2 word, I'm putting that much weight on it, but when I do the same thing, the words that come out of my mouth, I just say, well, that was only my two cents worth. You ever given anybody your two cents? We did the same thing. I say, you're $2, I'm two cents. That's not the way it works. The price you put on what they did is the price that comes back to you. And I don't know about me, I'd rather take mercy. Anybody else? Like, it's, it's, it's been a while. I don't know if I should. Is it in the Bible that you're supposed to knock on wood? That's not in the Bible, is it? Um, but it's been a while since I've been pulled over when I'm driving. Shouldn't have said it. Sorry, officer. <laughs> Could be a long week. At the, um, but I've had different things happen. I remember one time I got pulled over, and I said, sorry, I just, I, you know, I wasn't paying, you know, all this, and I was in a hurry and all this kind of stuff. And the officer just said, hey, look, I'm going to give you a warning. Just don't let it happen again. Aren't you thankful for warnings? I've also had other opportunities where, the officer gave me his autograph. It was quite valuable. And it cost me something. And when I'm kind of not paying attention, and I kind of have these ways where I trespass against others when I'm cruising through their neighborhood, you know what I want from judgment? I like grace and a warning. But some of us are so quick to write a ticket every time somebody speeds through our neighborhood. And the way you write it out is the way it's gonna come back to you. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse four, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So we're, we're all gonna face judgment, and the way you are now judging others, whether it's with a critical spirit or with mercy, will determine how judgment comes back to you. And I, I just, I wanna encourage you, God's mercy to you helps show you, helps you show mercy to others. <laughs> when you remember God's mercy to you, anybody receive mercy from God? <laughs> anybody thankful for it? If we keep that in mind, it'll help us be merciful to other people. James chapter two, verse 12 James says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. 
there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Did anybody else read that? Like, that's heavy. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So when we're building this life, if we want to build it with humility, with a humble foundation, it starts at the foundation is God. So let's go back to the text. Let's see what we do next. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. It says, um, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? We all know what sawdust is, right? It's kind of a speck. But when Jesus uses the word plank there, he's using a term, and and he's a carpenter, right? He knows what he's talking about. He's using a term for a beam that would be used for support. So this isn't a toothpick. This is a column. And Jesus says, you're you're trying to point out the the speck that's in somebody else's eye. You've got a beam sticking out of yours. Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. Jesus was funny. Don't miss this. Like the people that are hearing the Sermon on the Mount are cracking up because they're visualizing this. They're going, this is the craziest thing we ever heard. They see that. They're chuckling. Like Jesus had a sense of humor. Well, until verse (laughs) 5, you hypocrite. That'll break the mood, won't it? First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So let's go back to our graphic, right? The foundation that we're talking about here starts with God. We, we know that he's the judge. He's the one that has the pressure. Then we put self on top of that because we're going to stack ourselves, not against other people, but we stack ourselves against God, True. And so we look in that way, start with God, he's the judge, and I'll be judged the way I judge others, and I wanna look at myself. So first let God be the judge, then take a good look at yourself. Then take a look at yourself and go, what's going on in my life? The the guy with the plank in his eye is pretty boldly pointing out the flaws of others without looking at his own, isn't he? I mean, it's pretty bold. I see you have a little dust in your eye. I have no idea that I have a two-by-four sticking out of mine. And if you want to see that kind of boldness, you, you want to experience it on display, I'd encourage you to spend just a little bit of time on a thing called social media, true? <laughs> you don't have to be on there long to get into a Facebook fight or an Instagram incident where somebody gets some boldness and they're able to point out all the specs that are in other people and a keyboard warrior who doesn't have to pay any attention to the beam that's coming out of their own eye. It's so easily a part of our culture, and we can so easily dismiss it if we're not cautious and we're not careful. So here's what Jesus says to us. Jesus says, worry more about your plank than their sawdust. (laughs) Like, Think more about what you've got in your eye than what they have in theirs. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. So here's what he's like, Nathan, did you got a, you got a, you got a, you got a speck in your eye. You see that, but you're clueless about what's sticking out of your noggin. Like you totally miss it, he says. And Jesus says, you need to step back and take a good look at yourself. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, 
Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. He says, look, the way that you judge, the way that you view your critical spirit is gonna matter to other people and it can put a stumbling block in front of other people. And if you're, if you're not familiar with the New Testament, the Bible does not look kindly on stumbling blocks. Jesus, Paul, James, you see it over and over again. When you put an obstacle in front of someone else's faith, that's a big deal to God. Your critical spirit can do that you may not realize it, but some of us have this problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, Paul says, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Some of us ourselves are under judgment because we're not taking a good look at ourselves. We're not only a stumbling block to another person, but we're having issues ourselves, and that critical spirit has just made us miserable, and we just feel miserable. Josh, do you, do you, do you mind helping me out? If, if, if you don't mind, please. I wanna, I wanna kinda give you a, a picture of this so you, you can just kinda see this because we know what a speck is like, but let me give you an idea, if you don't mind. Thanks, Josh, of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying you're trying to point out the speck in somebody else's eye when you have this sticking out of your head. Right, that's exactly what he's talking about. Could you imagine? I got this sticking out of my head, and I'm like, Travis, come closer. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to clean his clock with this thing. And I'm not going to be able to help him, and I'm going to break everything of value in my own life as I'm swinging around looking at stuff. Some of you are real nervous right there on the front row. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting. He wants you to see just how crazy this is. Here's what he wants you to see. You can't see clearly until you have taken a look at yourself. We all want to see clearly. We think we do. When we cast judgment on other people, we think we're the authority in those things. And Jesus says, as long as you've got this coming out of your head, you can't see clearly. At some point, you have to take care of those own things so you can see for yourself what's going on. If, if you wear glasses... Do you ever have times where you look at your classes, glasses and say to yourself, who got these so dirty? Anybody? <laughs> right, it happens so quick. Seems like as soon as I clean them, I put them back on and they're dirty again. And I have to clean them again if I want to see clearly. And I have to come to terms with the fact that 99.9% .9 of those fingerprints are mine. Like I smudged them up. If I want to see clearly... First, I've got to take a good look at myself. Why does it matter? Because when you see yourself clearly, you can see others more clearly. When you see yourself clearly, then you're able to see others more clearly. Like Jesus is going to talk to us. He is going to tell us that we need to build discernment in our lives, that we do need to judge in a healthy way. What he'll see, and we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, verses 15 through 20 of, of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that you will know a tree by its fruit. And how do you know if fruit is good? You have to judge it, don't you? You have to judge the fruit to see if it's good. You have to assess, is this good fruit? We have to not only do that in our own lives, but we have to do it in other people's lives as well. But we can't see clearly to be discerning. We can't see clearly to be wise as long as this thing's sticking out of our heads. 
We gotta take a look at ourselves first. And Jesus is gonna take this even one more step. Verse six, which is the last verse in this section where he's talking about judging. He says this, Matthew chapter seven, verse six. These are Jesus' words. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know that Jesus is not talking about animals here. Jesus is talking about people. And he says there will be dogs and there will be pigs. Not what you expect Jesus to call people, is it? (laughs) But he says there will be dogs and there will be pigs who will not value the things that God values. Don't let them keep you from the treasures God has for you. And oftentimes, the the way that the pigs and the dogs, I don't like calling people that. Maybe I'll use the terms, Henry Cloud refers to three different types of people. He kind of pulls this from the Proverbs. He says, in your life, you have to discern who the people are around you because you will have people who are wise and you will have people in your life who are foolish and you will have people in your life who are evil. That sounds difficult to say, but there are evil people, true? And at some point, I have to have the wisdom to discern where is unrighteousness in the society that I live in? Where is injustice? Where is a denial of the truth? Where in my life is there people that are wise, people that are foolish, people that are evil? I need to discern those things. I need to be wise about those things. But I can't see clearly to do that unless first I take a good look at myself. Let let me give this to you from one other perspective too. Not only will a, a critical spirit keep me from seeing people clearly until I take a good look at myself, but a critical spirit can keep you from seeing God clearly when you start to let a spirit of criticism come into your life, it often starts with other people, but usually it works its way to God. Oh, not me. I'd never be critical of God. Just take my word for it and don't try it. Because when you begin to let that foundation of everybody else is wrong and everything else isn't right and everything this and that, and we start doing this and you let that critical spirit come in, it eventually begins to affect your relationship with God. It happens kind of as a progression when I was a student at Central Bible College, the president there, Dr. Maurice Lednicki, used to say in our chapel services, he would say, when you walk into this building, you will either choose to worship or be critical of those who do. That's such a good truth. You're going to do one or the other. You're going to look to God with, with grace and thanksgiving, or you're going to let a spirit of criticism come into your life. The progression usually starts where you begin to lose your your joy and your relationship with God and other people. And that joy usually feeds into doubt. And that doubt usually builds up into distance. And eventually that relationship begins to fall apart. It's what happens in marriages and in friendships where you start to lose the joy in that relationship. And then you start to question, you you doubt their good intentions. And eventually there's a distance that grows And the same thing that can happen in our earthly relationships can happen in our relationship with God. Well, Chad, I don't want that to happen. What do I do? 
Take a good look at yourself. Here's what David says, and I, and I know this is tough because we go through tough seasons and we've been hurt by people. People hurt us, we've hurt others. We've done things we regret. David says this, Psalm 51. This is kind of the classic text on repentance. David says, don't keep looking at my sins. God, help, help me here to remove the stain of my guilt because I, I got this sticking out of my head and it's keeping me from seeing others and it's keeping me from seeing you right. And that's when he says, create in me a clean heart in verse 10, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Do you see what he's saying here? God, I don't, I don't want this critical spirit. I don't want to carry these things anymore. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing. Some passages say that there's a willing spirit to obey you. And then what happens? Verse 13, look at this. He says, then I will teach your ways to rebels. Don't rebels sound like people you should judge? But Jesus changes your heart, and he helps you to show love that others will return to him. So much happens in our lives when we start by taking a good look at ourselves, which takes us then back to one last time what Jesus teaches us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your butt. Did you see what he said there? He says, once you can see clearly, then I can use you to help your brother. If you've got the plank out of your eye, you're, you're not much of a blessing to other people. But when that plank is gone, he says, then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So go back to our graphic. When your foundation is built on God, when you, when you start with God first, when you recognize that he's the judge and you're building a humble life, a humble spirit, God is the foundation, then you stack up against God and then after you take a good look at yourself, then we have others. And others are in a place where then literally we can be a blessing to them. So if we're building this kind of life, first let God be the judge, then take a good look at yourself, and finally, be a blessing to others instead of a critic. This is what Jesus asks us to be, that we would be a blessing to others instead of a critic. Why? <laughs> because you have a responsibility to help one another. Every single one of us do. It's in there, and we can do it if we will first let God work with this critical spirit in our lives. Look at what the Bible says. Galatians chapter six, verse one. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so if we will let God be the judge and take a good look at ourselves, then instead of that critical spirit, God can literally use us to be a blessing to other people. Not only will we have joy, not only will God work through us, but he can then use us to be a blessing to other people. I read a story this week, and I couldn't help but plug it in here because it just seemed to fit. On Tuesday in Eugene, Oregon, 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 which one? Oregon, right? We have Oregon, is that right? Okay, that's where I get mixed up. In Eugene, out there, this guy, or the police get a phone call, and they say, hey, the traffic is crazy. There's paper floating all over. 
and they come out to take a look and hear what had happened is they got cars pulling over on the highway. They're doing all this stuff because some guy was driving down the road and he was throwing $100 bills out of the window of his car because he said he wanted to gift other people. When they pulled him over, they asked him to stop. He agreed. They said, what did you do? He says, I threw about $200,000 worth of $100 bills out the window because I wanted to gift other people. Side note, if you have $200,000 you wanna throw out the window, I'll be in the atrium afterwards. And we, we, I got, I got, we got plans, right? So they pulled this guy over. The, the crazy part is it says that motorists appeared to pick the road clean of any bills that were left. Imagine that. The quote was, motorists did a thorough job of gathering the loose money as troopers were unable to locate any further currency after the incident. Troopers followed up the next morning and were still unable to locate further bills. Imagine that. Why? Because this guy, for whatever reason, I don't know, it doesn't make sense, but for some reason he decided as he was driving down the road, he was like, I'm going to bless people. I've got something to give and I'm going to give it. I've been blessed and I want to bless other people. What if we lived our lives like that? Instead of going through life going, <laughs> look at them. I can't believe they did that. You know what they did to me? If only they. What if instead of being a critic because of what Jesus has done for me, because of who he is, what if I get the plank out of my eye and I say, I'm gonna be a blessing instead of a critic to others? That everywhere you went, you were throwing out blessing. Not only would that do something great in other people's lives, but you're gonna be much less miserable to be around. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter seven, verse one, do not judge or you too will be judged. Jesus does not say that to point out your flaws. Jesus says that so that you can live a life that will thrive. So quick review. Let's take a look at that first graphic that we have. If you're building on a critical foundation, just real quick question, how stable does that look? Anybody ever played Jenga? When you're playing Jenga, is the first piece you pull out the one on the bottom? No, because you want a firm foundation. If your life looks like that, it's just gonna topple over. When you have a critical spirit, you build on an unstable foundation. But go back to that other graphic, the one with the humble foundation. How stable does that look? Because when you have a humble spirit, you build on a stable foundation. So let me ask you to do this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? I, I wanna just, as we wrap up, talk to kind of two different groups of people. First, I, I can almost guarantee it that there are some folks in this room or an auditorium too. You're watching this in your home or you're listening to this in your car. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you not so much about a critical spirit, but when I talked about grace, when I talked about God's mercy, when I talked about God's forgiveness, you knew that that's something that you need. Maybe you had it at one point in your life and you don't have it anymore. Or maybe it's something you've always looked for and you didn't know how to find it, and today you know that it can only be found through Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And he rose again and he lives today. And if you will simply call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says 
that that forgiveness, that hope, that purpose, that meaning, you can be saved. And today, there are some of you who either need to begin or begin again a relationship with God where things are right between you and God. That can only happen through Jesus Christ. And there's no better time than right now for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, just right where you are, will you raise your hand in this room, auditorium two, wherever that is. You just say, I can't do it on my own anymore. Jesus, I give you my life. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. You can raise your hand, put it right back down. It's just between you and God. Jesus, I give you my life. Anybody else? God, I can't do it on my own anymore. I give you my life. If you raise your hand, or if you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, kind of loud and proud, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my Savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, if you are joining us online or by way of television, I want to encourage you to go out to our website if you just prayed that prayer. There's a link there that just says Jesus, and if you can click on that, we've got information, some resources we'd like to give to you. If you're here in the building today, right after the service, we'll have some friends down here at the front that if you raised your hand and said, today I need to begin that relationship with Jesus, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you. We have a Bible we want to give to you, and just want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Would you do one more thing with me? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes one more time, a second group of people? And I ask you to do this because I, I, I want to make sure the Holy Spirit has an undistracted moment in some of our lives. Because for the last few minutes, God's been shining a spotlight on some things in your life. A conversation, a relationship, an attitude. And you see where there's some (coughs) unstable building you've been doing. Where you've been more focused on judging others than letting God be the judge. It might not be in every area of your life. It might be a situation at work, not your family, or it might be your, your family that you're real critical with, or not so much at church, or it might be when you come to church, but not other places in your life. It, it, it might be these certain spots, but they're spots where, where you know your life is unstable, where there's moments where you're miserable, and you're reminded today that how you judge others is how you'll be judged. And today you just need to say, God, I'm not that person's judge, you are. I'm not that situation's judge, you are. And right now the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your life. You're taking a good look at yourself. There's some things that you need to drop that plank so then instead of being critical, God can bring blessing through you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, right now, you're bringing things to our minds. You're you're showing us situations and relationships where what we need is a genuine touch from you. God, would you help us to let you be the judge in those circumstances, in those relationships? Holy Spirit, would you help us to take a good look at ourselves? to live in the mercy and grace that you've given to us so that we can trade out that critical spirit so that you can bless others through us. God, thanks for your word. 
Would you help us to live it out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.